0: So you find yourself trying to answer some questions. Is my partner a covert narcissist? Am I a victim of abuse? What exactly is a covert narcissist? Many people know the term narcissist, especially today. You know, it's, it's thrown around a lot in pop culture today. We see it as the loud, boisterous person who's always the center of attention. They're arrogant. They're superior to everyone else. They're a know-it-all. You know, they don't bother trying to hide this. And in fact, some of them really seem to love this about themselves and they use it as a bragging point. And you might be thinking, well, this description doesn't quite fit my partner. The arrogance is there, but they're not loud and boisterous. Their superiority is so covered that no one really sees it. In fact, I'm not even sure that it is actually there. They seem to carry some aspects of narcissism, but then again, maybe I'm imagining this. You know, we've talked before about what really is a covert narcissist, and I want to dive into that even further. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast, and I want to thank you for joining me today. I was once asked what makes a narcissist covert? Don't they all do things in secret? And wouldn't that mean that all narcissists are covert? Well, it is true that narcissists abuse behind closed doors. It is true that they have affairs in secret, that they live secret lives. However, it is not true that all narcissists are covert. You see, with covert narcissists, it isn't that the world doesn't see the abuse. It's that the victim doesn't see it. I'm going to say that again. With covert narcissism, it's not about what the world sees. It's about what the victim sees. When an abuser punches you, you know that you've been hit. You know, if they take a fist and they pop you in the face, you know that you have been hit. You don't doubt this. You don't question it. He hit me. And you know this. The black eye is a clear reminder and it's a sign for everyone to see. But when it's a covert narcissist, when they sting you with their words over and over and over, you question it. You question if maybe they were kidding, you know, they were just joking around with me. Or you question if you misunderstood them. This one's on me because, you know, that's not what they meant. You even wonder if maybe they were right in what they were saying. Maybe I need to work on this and myself. And you fault yourself for being upset with them. The covert part of narcissism is that you, the victim, don't see the abuse. You do not know that you are being abused. And to make matters worse, you begin to talk with your family and friends and they blow it off. They tell you that you're overreacting, that you're making something out of nothing, that you're making this a big deal and that it's not, that he's a wonderful person. And so you doubt yourself even more. Covert narcissists hide their narcissism on an insane level. They often don't even like narcissists. And in fact, um, they find narcissists to be brass and arrogant and full of themselves. And and they work hard to not carry these traits because they see that and they don't like it. And so they feel, uh, they really work hard to not carry these traits, but they still feel all the feelings on the inside of arrogance and entitlement and superiority. And in fact, their success at not being overtly narcissistic makes them feel even more superior and wonderful. Covert narcissists have been described as a more sophisticated version of narcissist. They're not the in-your-face type. They, they in fact, don't even seem capable of playing the role of being grossly arrogant and a spotlight grabber. Uh, Maybe they believe that the world does not like this, you know, and so they feel like they can't do that. They don't like it, and so they don't want to do that. Or maybe they're just not good at it. And so while they still carry these feelings of arrogance, they mask them. They work incredibly hard to hide those um, those traits from the world. And they often do such a good job that they hide it from themselves. You know, they will adamantly deny being arrogant. They, They will tell you convincingly that they are a humble person, that they're modest. And again, this leaves you, the victim, absolutely confused about reality. Covert narcissism is not about what the world sees, it's about what the victim sees. It isn't that the world doesn't see the abuse, it's that the victim does not see the abuse. And that's what makes it so incredibly dangerous. Now, in the next two episodes, we're going to work through two checklists. One in this episode and one in the next the first checklist is characteristics that are seen in a covert narcissist. They're very similar and often the same as traits that are in an overt narcissist. So don't get stuck on that difference because again, there's more similarities than there are differences. They, they feel all the same feelings on the inside. The difference is that covert, they just cover it up so incredibly well. Now that second list is characters that characteristics that show up in you, the victim. Sometimes the best way to tell if a person is narcissistic is to look at the thoughts and feelings of those that are closest to them, in particular, their target. That one we're going to save for next week. So don't miss that episode. All right. This is my checklist for characteristics of a covert narcissist. By the way, this checklist is available uh, if you join my mailing list. So go to www.covertnarcissism.com. And if you join the mailing list there, you get this checklist. Um, I'll send it to you by email. Another way you can get it is just shoot me an email, Uh, you know, shoot me an email or, or find me on Facebook, either of those. And I will give you this checklist. All right. Number one is hypersensitivity. They are overly sensitive to criticism or being seen as wrong. Even on the most insignificant and stupid things, little tiny things that nobody cares about in the world, and yet they have to add that last comment stating why what they did or said was right. A very common phrase from them is, oh, so I was right. You know, that's just that hypersensitivity. They have to be right about everything. And their feelings are so easily hurt. You find yourself spending a ton of energy protecting their feelings. You, the victim, you see this as their low self-esteem and their need to be uplifted. You do not see this as abuse. And in fact, making a big deal out of it feels selfish and insensitive. So it does not even cross your mind that their hypersensitivity is abusive. Another characteristic is there's no genuine apologies. Some of them will never, ever say the words, I'm sorry. Others, they will say it, but they'll follow it with excuses and blame. They're always blaming you or someone else for whatever happened, whatever fault that that took place. And they take no personal responsibility. So you walk away from any of these type conversations feeling unheard and knowing that this is not resolved. They show no remorse or care for how you feel. Now, What does the victim do with this? You often convince yourself that they are sorry and they just don't know how to express it. You know, or that they care, but they just don't know how to show it. And you continue trying so hard to make them feel safe with you because you believe that if I make them feel safe with me, then they will be able to show their vulnerability. They will be able to say they're sorry because they will feel safe. Again, you don't see it as abuse. Another characteristic is gaslighting. They make you question and doubt everything. They'll deny something they said and you know that they said it. This causes you to question your own memory. you know, well, maybe I'm not remembering this right. They tell you that you know you misunderstood them, causing you to question your own perceptions. Their actions don't match their words, telling you how much they love and cherish you one minute and yet treating you horribly the next minute, causing you to question your own feelings. You are living in a world where you are questioning everything. You question yourself over and over and over. And during this process, you make excuses for them. And you get so lost in the self-doubt and confusion. Again, you don't see it as abuse. You might even wonder, well, maybe their memory is a little faulty. And so you feel sorry for them. You certainly don't see it as abuse. Another characteristic is the lack of boundaries. You know, they have a total disregard for the possessions and the rights of others. This applies to taking your things whenever they choose, or touching you whenever they please. They use your stuff and even you whenever they want. And yet they have a fit if you move anything of theirs. There's no give and take in this. There's no give and take at all in a relationship with a covert narcissist. And so, you know, if, if you question this or you bring things up about this, you feel like you're making a big deal out of nothing. You feel like you're being petty about this, or even that you, maybe you just need to get better at communicating your own needs. And so you take that responsibility on yourself, that this is all your fault for not being more clear. Again, you as the victim do not see this as abusive. Another characteristic is jealousy. They will make you feel bad for wanting to do things with other people, friends, family, even your own children there always seems to be a reason why they are upset when you spend time with other people they want that attention all for themselves but you don't see this as abuse you see this as their insecurity they're just they're just insecure and they need to be loved more or maybe you know they just they need to be, have other friends and they need to learn how to have friendships in their life i used to work at trying to help my husband have a friendship with some other guys You know, I used to contact them and go, hey, would you take him to lunch? Would you buddy up to him? Would you be a friend? Trying to help my husband make friends, feeling like I I thought that the issue was he didn't know how to make friends. And so I was trying to help him learn. I certainly, again, did not see it as abuse. How about circular conversations or circular talk? The conversations with them loop and loop and loop. There is no ending in sight, no point of reconciliation. Say that again. No point of reconciliation and no closure. Everything you say can and does get used against you. It gets thrown back in your face over and over. You start the conversation by explaining that what they did really hurt you and you end up at the end defending yourself and apologizing. You walk away feeling like you're the bad person. Any words or actions that they can misinterpret, they do. Well, this just leaves a victim in total confusion about what's going on. You think you're making progress. This was my fault. I, my, my error in my world with my husband, I thought we were making progress. You know, we're sitting down, we're having conversations, we're working through stuff and we're making progress. And I'd be in a conversation feeling like, okay, we're going in a good direction now. And wham, all of a sudden I'm right back in the thick of it. All of a sudden he has flipped it right back around. And now we're, what happened to the progress we were making? We were doing good. How did we get back here? You know, are things getting better or are they not? I actually, I have no idea. So being the optimist that I am, being the person who desired peace as much as I did, I would say, you know, hey, we're we're working through this. We're making progress. I'm going to believe we are making progress. Calling it abuse did not even cross my mind. I just thought we were working through learning how to communicate. Now, another characteristic the silent treatment. Now, the silent treatment comes in various shapes and sizes. It can be barely acknowledging your existence for days, weeks, or months at a time. This is not how it was used in my household. How it was used in my situation were these very intense moments of silence held intentionally, making me feel like a prisoner in my own home. These were things like not answering you in the normal flow of a conversation, making you feel uneasy or unsure. He would hold this moment of silence, you know, where he was pondering what great words he was going to say. And it would just, it would disrupt this normal flow of conversation. And, and in fact, we never had a normal flow of conversation. It can also be ignoring your request, you know, purposefully not answering you, leaving you guessing, okay, did he hear me? Or did he not hear me? And yet when you ask a second time, he lashed out stating firmly that I heard you the first time. Okay. But this just shows that the silence was purposeful and manipulative. Now, did I see it that way? No. I convinced myself that he just needed time to think about what he was going to say. And that, that there's nothing wrong with that. That it's okay for him to have that time to think about the words he wanted to say, you know, it must take him more effort in his mind to to make, you know, sense out of what he wanted to say and making a big deal out of that. It, that felt mean and insensitive. You know, what was I going to say? Well, why don't you answer me? Okay. I, I guess I did say that some, and he says, well, I was thinking about what I wanted to say. Can't I do that? Well, now to say, well, can't you think faster? That, that feels mean. You know, and it feels like something I would not say. So, so, okay. Yes, you can have time to think about what you're going to say. So I mean, this was my fault for making a big deal out of nothing. And the whole thing would feel trivial and petty. And it certainly didn't seem abusive. It was just, but, but it's a no-win situation. It was clear that the silence was purposeful and manipulative, but I did not see it that way for many, many years. How about the feeling of Entitlement. The rules of life simply do not apply to them. They are extremely hypocritical. They walk away whenever they choose, do whatever they want, and fire back at you if they're called out on it. But yet, don't you treat them that way. Don't walk out on them. Don't do whatever you want. They are so hypocritical in this. They carry this huge feeling of superiority. You know, their attitude is I'm special. No one understands me. I'm ahead of my time. Others just can't keep up and I'll do whatever I please. Thus, they are constantly dissatisfied with life and with others because they feel like no one can ever keep up with them. And and something seems to always be wrong or could have always been better. Everyone else, it's like their attitude is everyone else is here to make them feel special and accepted. But because this is not possible, it's not possible to make them actually feel good So then they feel that they're surrounded by a bunch of failures. You know, this is that feeling of entitlement. I'm entitled to special treatment, but no one around me seems capable of either realizing that or capable of providing that special treatment. And so, again, you're sure that this is just because of their insecurity and their low self-esteem This is from, you know, their background and it's overcompensation for them trying to just feel secure about who they are. And so you just need to help boost him up more. You need to help him to feel more secure in who he is so that he doesn't treat other people this way. Again, you don't see it as abuse. How about them being emotionally challenged? They are emotionally unavailable, extremely locked up with a giant wall around their heart. They are emotionally blind with no ability to see the emotional needs of another person. They are so emotionally needy, wanting everyone else to make them feel better about themselves, which I've already said is not possible. They are unable to genuinely connect with other people. And your explanations of emotional pain just don't make sense to them. They are emotionally challenged. So, so what do you do as the victim? You're convinced that deep inside he is a warm and genuine person. I was convinced that if I could just find the right way to say it to my husband, to help him to understand, to help him to see, that then the compassion would come through because I was convinced it was there. I was convinced that he cared. I was convinced that he loved us. I was convinced. And I just had to find a way through that thick wall that he had built. And so I kept on trying. I was convinced that I could love it out of him. So seeing it as abuse, no way, no way. I saw it as the pain inside him. I saw the hurt inside of him. The the desire in me to help others, that took over. And I wanted to help him more than anyone else on the face of this earth. I wanted to help him. So I definitely did not see this as abuse. Another characteristic is it's all about them. They're extremely dismissive of other people's thoughts and feelings, barely acknowledging them. You know, when you tell them that they've hurt your feelings, their response is all about themselves and how their feelings are hurt. They need constant attention and approval, often following you around the house like a puppy dog. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I did. And, and he would follow me around and say things to grab my attention or to always add a punchline. always had to, you know, be the, the reason anybody in the room was laughing. Some of their favorite lines are, you know, well, that reminds me of me when, or that's like when I, or I used to do that too. And conversations always turn back to be around them talking about themselves, always. And again, you see this is needy, not abusive. You want to help him. And so you listen with attentiveness and and you give them the attention you feel like they're craving, but it will never be enough. The last characteristic I'm going to say today is that they're protective of their image, so protective of their image. They are completely unable to be vulnerable. They protect that image intensely. They will do things to make themselves look good to the world because of this powerful need they have to feel superior to others. They seem to have a split personality. In fact, sometimes amazing. They can be amazingly good people and other times unbelievably horrible. Well, the good parts in them, they'll take all that credit. You know, well, that just shows how wonderful I am. They'll take credit for anything good that they have done. But the bad parts, when those show up or when those, you know, when you do try to call them to the carpet, they are completely blamed on, dominantly on you, the target, but on you or on anyone else or anything else they can possibly manage to blame things on. They cannot handle shame at all. And they have this false sense of self that is built only around that fake good side of them where they are working so hard to, um, to hold up that image. So what do you do? You feel for them. You know they had a tough past. Again, my desire to be a good person and help others played out in this marriage. The marriage was almost 21 years. I put, you know, more than 21 years because it was some dating time before that. But I put so many years of effort into helping him so hard. I was so convinced I could love this out of him. And I put everything I had into it. I did not see it as abuse. So I hope this helps you to see what I mean when I talk about covert narcissism. It is not about what the world sees. It's not about that the world doesn't see the abuse. They have no idea. I understand that. But with covert narcissism, you, the victim, don't see it. You, the victim, have no idea. And that's the problem. Now, join me next week as we dig into the signs that are in you that show you are dealing with a covert narcissism sorry, covert narcissist. When victims are struggling to see the abuse as abuse, sometimes it is easier for them to see what is going on inside of themselves and approach it from this different angle. So we are going to talk about that next week. And then we also are going to continue following this with how do we help our world to see it? We now finally see it as abusive. How do we help our friends and family who see him as this great and wonderful person How do we help to start opening their eyes? That is a tough one. That is something that is coming uh, in our future on the Covert Narcissism Podcast. So thank you for joining me today. Reach out to me anytime. Let me know what you guys think. Let me know what I can do to help you. Uh, We are in this together and I wish you much peace on your journey of healing. I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.com dot FM to get started.